Thank you, President Robert. Our speaker today is Commodore Greg York. Greg joined the Navy as a midshipman in 1974 and followed the career path of a principal warfare officer specialising in gunnery. His sea postings include Perth-class misguided missile destroyers Perth and Brisbane, a ton-class minesweeper Ibis, that's a wooden ship by the way, a river-class destroyer escort Parramatta, a Royal Navy Type 42 destroyer HMS Liverpool and Fremantle-class patrol boats Townsville, which he commissioned, and Gladstone, which he commanded, and an Anzac-class frigate Arunta, which was the second, I think, produced in Australia, which he was the commissioning commanding officer. He served as the Anzac Frigate Capability Element Manager, the Chief Staff Officer of Operations Maritime Headquarters during Operation Faulkner. That's the 2003 invasion of Iraq. And for that, he was awarded the Conspicuous Service Cross. In 2006, he transferred to the Active Reserve and began a second career as a management consultant. He was Associate Director, Defence and National Security for KPMG, Australia lead consultant for a mining company, a lead consultant for the Federal Department of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries. He remained engaged with the RAN and as the project manager, Project uh, Demeter, which comprehensively reviewed Royal Australian Naval Maritime Logistics Branch workforce requirements and structure. He had a brief role as the Director Joint Amphibious Capability Implementation Team and on promotion to Commodore in June 2006, he took a full-time position within the Navy Strategic Command as Director-General and Project Director Plan ACRUX, which is a Navy Workforce Continuous Improvement Project. A very varied career for somebody in the Navy. On the 1st of January 2018, he was appointed Vice Admiral, sorry, he was appointed by Vice Admiral Tim Barrett, as, who was then Chief of Navy as the Senior Naval Officer Victoria. This represented the first flag appointment to this role in over a dozen years and the uncoupling of the responsibility from the commanding officer HMAS Cerberus. His topic today is Senior Naval Officer Victoria supporting Navy's strategic objectives. Please make Greg welcome. Uh, thanks very much, Stephen. Um, President uh, Robert Fisher, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great honour to be standing in front of you today to, um, to talk about um, my role as the Senior Naval Officer Victoria. Uh, before I commence, I just would like to point out that today, like most other days throughout the year, the Royal Australian Navy has some 20 ships and nearly 2,500 people deployed around the world in ships, submarines, aircraft and on land, on operations in the Middle East, to the north of Australia and on exercises around Australia and in the Indo-Pacific region. As Steve has mentioned, I was appointed by the Chief of Navy to be the Senior Naval Officer Victoria in January last year. And I hope to hold this position for at least the next two years or until about mid-2021. I'm going to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes briefly talking about um, my career highlights and what my intention is for the role of the Senior Naval Officer Victoria. 
As Steve mentioned, I entered the Navy in 1974 from Sydney, where I'd matriculated, um, and I joined the Royal Australian Naval College as a seaman officer. I won't take you on a posting by posting journey, Stephen's done a bit of that, but I would like to highlight some of the different ships, shore jobs, different locations around Australia and overseas where I've been employed over the last 40 odd years. I've had a fantastic career and I could spend, in the Navy, and I could spend all afternoon telling you about my experiences, but I know we're on a timeline, so uh, I'll try and race through these. So I was awarded my full bridge watchkeeping certificate, that is my license to drive a ship, in February 1978 on board HMAS Perth, the guided missile destroyer. Um, so not long after I joined, it's quite rapid rise and all of a sudden you're leading men and have the safety of a 4,000 tonne destroyer armed to the teeth with missiles and guns under your responsibility. So quite a lot for a young, um, as I was then, 23 year old, but most enjoyable. I, the early part of my career, I specialised as a navigation specialist. So I navigated a minesweeper, wooden, wooden ship, but men of steel, a patrol boat and a destroyer escort. And some of the things that I did over those years that I thought you might find, found, find interesting was I conducted survey operations in the, sorry, the Joseph Bonaparte Gulf off the northwest coast of Australia, um, up off north of um, Port Hedland, re remote Australian area that hadn't been uh, looked at for a long time. So we went up and down surveying it, looking for shoals, etc. I uh, navigated into many different ports around Australia. Um, I think the most challenging was going up to Port Augusta, right up the very top of the Spencer's Gulf um, in, in South Australia. In fact, it was so far up, I thought I was going to be taking a fix off Uluru before we got there. It was uh, soon to go forever. Um, and also navigating up the beautiful Tamar River into Launceston, which again, quite a challenging navigation exercise and quite narrow river. Pardon me. Lastly, I was lucky enough um, during my patrol boat time to spend a bit of time in the Coral Sea, out in some of the outer reefs. Um, one in particular which uh, I recall with a great deal of clarity is the Lehau Reef. It's about 500 miles east of um, Cairns, an enormous coral atoll that we actually drove right inside of and, and around, quite large, but amazingly clear water. We anchored and you could see the anchor you know, hundreds of feet away and the chain along the bottom up to the ship, just amazing. Mind you, there was a few uh, sharks that attacked the boat that night too. Um, in 1984, I was lucky enough to be selected to go and do the, my principal warfare officer training in uh, UK, in the United Kingdom. And after 12 months learning how to defend and fight a modern warship, I qualified as a gunnery officer and subsequently spent two years on exchange with the Royal Navy. Again, a wonderful experience. Back in those days, um, it was only a few years after the Falklands War, there was a real focus in the Royal Navy on professionalism 
and it was very different attitude to that which I'd experienced in the Australian Navy. Um, we spent a lot of time at sea during that two years. My lovely wife tells me that I was away for about 20 months out of a 24-month posting, um, and, uh, and we spent six months of that down in the Falkland Islands itself and uh, transiting around the South Atlantic, quite an experience. I was fortunate enough to have two commands, as Steve mentioned, first a patrol boat based out of Cairns uh, from 1990 to 92, and secondly, as the commissioning commanding officer of HMAS Arunta, an Anzac class frigate in 1998 to 2000. Um, commissioning commanding officer is a wonderful term. The reality is you take a block of steel and turn it into a living and breathing um, ship with, with a crew and then bring it to a level where you can go and take that ship into harm's way and survive. So quite a, quite a, a challenge, but such a rewarding experience to have done that. And um, I was lucky enough during my time in Arunta to take the ship on a deployment to Southeast Asia. And I was uh, part of a two-ship uh, deployment that actually were the first ships to return to Vietnam since the Vietnam War uh, in 2000, in March 2000, which was an amazing experience to sail into Ho Chi Minh City, up the Mekong Delta, looking at the areas that, um, you know, 30 years before, you know, our people had been fighting on the ground, you know, travelling through Vung Tau, uh, the Vung Tau area and, and up the Mekong Delta, visiting um, the, the tunnels and Nui Dat, where the, where the um, people were based, the Nashos were based. It was just an amazing experience. Um, when I, I decided in 2006 to uh, have a change of career and I joined the management consulting world, as Stephen said, I, um, my corporate highlights were, the, were a, uh, leading a, a change in a gold mining company. It was a major IT upgrade um, based out of Western Australia and we rolled that out across all their mining sites around Australia. Quite a challenge. I was also involved in the Northern Territory Emergency Response, uh, National Emergency Response Project, the intervention, as uh, it was called, initiated by Prime Minister Howard. And that involved assisting the Northern Territory Government uh, rolling out equipment and services into remote communities. Very rewarding time. Um, I was lucky enough in 2016 to be asked by the Chief of Navy to, to return to wearing my uniform full-time um, and undertook a workforce review. That uh, was a huge task, still a lot of work to be done in that space, but um, you know, A, to be asked to come back, B, to be promoted to take that role was, um, was an amazing opportunity. So here we are, the Senior Naval Officer Victoria job. Um, when the Chief of Navy asked if I would take on this responsibility, I thought, this will be great. I'll be able to go to all these lovely functions, lunches, um, commemorative services, and I am able to do that. But the reality is he's asked me to do a much more challenging, uh, I have a much more challenging focus than just representing him at functions in Melbourne. 
the Chief of Navy recognises that Melbourne is the historic home of the Royal Australian Navy. The Royal Australian Navy has its origins in the Victorian Naval Brigade from the mid-1800s, prior to Federation. In 1901, the Navy headquarters were set up here in Melbourne and one, uh, at the time, Captain William Creswell was given the role to make the Navy, uh, 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 well, to take the Commonwealth Navy forward for the entire nation. He did that um, from Victoria Barracks on St Kilda Road and Navy remained in Victoria Barracks until the 1960s before they moved to Canberra. So a long, long history here in Melbourne, despite the fact that we don't really have a fleet or didn't really have a fleet here at the time either. So Chief of Navy has asked me to achieve three things here in Melbourne, most important of which is to raise the profile of Navy and bring back some of that history and make, remind people of that history that Navy has in the community. Melbourne's, or oh sorry, the Navy's largest training base is uh, down here on the Mornington Peninsula, HMAS Cerberus. I reckon 90% of Melbourne people don't even know that that base exists down on the Mornington Peninsula. Yet every single recruit that joins Navy passes through those gates down there and graduates from the recruit school at Cerberus. Over 2,000 people are resident down there, Navy, Navy people are resident down there at any one, one time. And uh, so it's, it's called the cradle of the Navy for that reason, because a lot of the, the baby sailors go through there and, and come out at the end as fully sworn, booted, ready to undertake the role. They're, they're undertaking a major refurbishment at the moment down there at Cerberus. $450 million worth of upgrades to facilities and buildings. Um, Service itself has a long history, almost as long as the Navy in, in Victoria. Opened as the Flinders Naval, Flinders Naval Depot early in the 20th century. So a lot of work needs to be done to upgrade all those facilities. Um, secondly, in the next 10 years, Navy has a significant recruiting challenge. Navy's introducing many new ships, submarines, aircraft, and we need people to man those ships. And Victoria, as the second most populous state of Australia, at the moment, there's only about 12% of uh, Navy people that, that join come from Victoria. You know, when you think of the size of the population here, why is it that Navy can only achieve can only achieve a 12% representation of Victorians. Um, is it the fact that we don't have a fleet here, there's not a Navy presence and people don't know um, it exists? Or is it the fact that Victoria is a, a, a diverse community, um, much more ethnically diverse than lots of other states? Navy still today has this uh, domination of white Anglo-Celtic people. 
So we need to break that nexus. We need to bring in the diversity into, into Navy and allow us to recruit from a much broader base and, and hopefully encourage more Victorians to take on what I consider to be a wonderful career. Um, lastly, and, and probably our most biggest challenge is those future ships and submarines. The federal government has committed in the order of $90 billion to upgrade the Australian Navy, the largest single shipbuilding activity since World War II. Um, and in the process, uh, looking to set up a continuous shipbuilding industry. Now, we know that the priority for, oh, sorry, the place for building those ships or putting them together is going to be South Australia and Western Australia, but it's a nation building activity. We need everyone to be contributing all of the industry that's here in Victoria, uh, advanced manufacturing hub of Australia, as the Premier calls it, need to be involved in, in helping us deliver these new ships and submarines. So I, Chief of Navy has asked me to get out there and engage with industry and with academia to make sure we, they understand their opportunities going forward. Um, Innovation is a key at the moment. How do we do things better? How do we do things with less people um, but achieve the same outcome? So I'm engaging with, with universities and defence industry and the state government for that matter to help achieve this most ambitious shipbuilding initiative. So um, over the next two years, that's my goal, working with the state government, defence industry, academia, the community in general to support CN's intent of raising Navy's profile and also achieving his number one priority and that is nation building and rebuilding the Australian Navy. Thank you. I'm happy to take any questions on what I've talked about or any other subject which uh, may be of interest to, to you people.